Today, we're talking with Mark Boher, a former infantryman and a licensed attorney who has conducted intelligence and security operations around the world. Mark has trained units for the Department of Defense, the Department of Justice, and Fortune 500 companies and police officers from over 60 departments around our country. We're talking about all that and more on today's Pick Up the Six podcast. Mark Boer, welcome to Pick Up the Six podcast. I'm excited to have you, man. Yeah, man. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Shout out to our friends at Podmatch. I haven't done this yet, but I want to give them a, a shout out. Uh, great new friend, great new partner, signed yeah. up for the service, uh, and we matched. Yeah. Like a dating service for podcasters. Yeah, like match.com. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so you're my first uh, Podmatch interview. So oh, cool. I started that uh, engagement with those guys. Awesome. They, they've been flooding in. It's, it's awesome. We're going to have a lot of guests. Uh, show up on these airwaves uh, because of that service. And they are not paying me to say that. In fact, I paid them to do this. Yeah. So. And uh, on, the, you know, if I could just riff off that, I've yeah. been pretty excited about it. You know, I got a, a message in my inbox from them saying, Hey, you got a podcast. Why don't you try us out? And, you mm -hmm. know, you kind of take that, you kind of roll your eyes when you you see that kind of thing. I, I you're like, all right, the other way on other ones before. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what's the catch? But I went ahead and I signed up and I mean, yeah, I started, started getting linked up with some folks. So it's a really good product. So if somebody's a podcaster, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, they came recommended by my friend Paul Daly, who then got me to Alex, who started the company. And uh, the rest is history. And here we are matching away, swiping right, swiping left and making yeah. connections. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, excited to talk to you about your, your journey, your story. I know you're big focused on warrior mindset. You've got incredible history and you've done some neat stuff. So just tell me a little bit. First of all, I mean, just wh where are you from? Where's where's Mark Bower? Hanging a shingle these days, man. And are you well, are you where uh, you grew up and, and where you're from? Give me, give yeah, me um, I live. I, I was born in South Arkansas, pretty close to the Louisiana border, mm -hmm. a rural area. But I mean, most of the state is rural, so that's not saying much. And just kind of grew up in a in a rural background. And you know, when we were when I was a teenager, we ended up moving to the Midwest with my dad's work and. You know, you think going from the South, going to Midwest wouldn't be that big of a change, but going into an urban setting, even though it was a relatively small town, it was a culture shock for us. And so, you know, just all those things that kids go through about trying to fit in and, and having to reinvent themselves, because I mean, where I was from just wasn't mixing well with, with that, that city culture and everything. So Anyway, the first thing I could do as soon as I could get out of there, I did. And um, I joined the Army pretty much when I got out of high school. And this was before YouTube and a lot of things on the Internet. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really know anything about the Army. I just had a few friends join. I didn't even know what I thought, you know, just everybody did the same thing. So I just went in, signed up. I didn't even tell my parents, just did it. And, you know, I was just kind of awkward, skinny kid, flat feet, uh, you know, not the healthiest, strongest kid. And so I had a lot of, a lot of folks like, what are you doing? You did what? <laughs> They're not going to take you, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And ended up just kind of going in and just drinking the Kool-Aid. I mean, I absolutely loved it. I loved basic training. I loved all the things that I did. I loved the uniform, shining the boots. I mean, the whole thing. And it was a great, it just, it just clicked for you. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. It really did. It, it, it kind of, it got me away from home, got me away from everybody. And it just kind of helped me decide who I wanted to be. 
I think that's the greatest or one of the, the lessons I learned when I went into the military is that, you know, they're going to give you the tools to rebuild yourself and you can create the person that you want to be. You know, if you want to be a super soldier, if you want to be strong, if you want to be fit, if you want to be goal driven, it's there for you. If you want to be a dirt bag, uh, lowest common denominator, you can do that too. It's it's really up to you. And so I opted to just try to do the best I could, um, volunteered for anything that I could that I could do. And it was just a great hitch. Spent a couple of years in Germany, started out, I was in an interrogator platoon. So I got exposed to all kinds of folks with different languages. And, you know, you find out new things that you didn't even know you were interested in. I didn't really think that I was interested in foreign languages or things like that, but I found out I had a knack for it, started picking up some things there. Uh, did a hey, deployment. Mark, what, what, what year was this? What year did you go in? Well, uh, I went in in 1994. Okay. Yeah, when we were still wearing the BDUs, right? Okay. Right at the end of the, the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I, like I said, loved it. Got in on the deployment to Operation Joint Endeavor, which was down in, in Bosnia. Yep. That was the first time that NATO had fielded a ground force. My, da- my dad was at the J3 in the Pentagon during that entire engagement. Oh, spent, yeah. Spent a lot of nights in the Pentagon, in the office during all oh. that. Doing Air oh, Force wow. Stuff and, yeah. 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 yeah and I mean, that was an exciting time, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some some exciting things that happened down there. Um, and so then anyway, I get out and I decided I want to make a career of this. This is I want to go do all the things I can. So I, I knew I needed to finish college. That was also mm-hmm. on my bucket list. So I applied to a green to gold program. So they cut me out a little early. I went to school at Mizzou, uh, had some issues and ended up having to uh, drop out of the program. I got injured and there were some other things going on and and kind of, you know, I guess life sometimes is it's not always a straight line. Right. You've got ups and downs. And as you're trying to kind of keep yourself together and and trying to mature and face new things, you know, sometimes you you take a couple steps back. And I definitely was taking a couple steps back during that time of my life. I, some things that happened that kind of knocked me off of, uh, of the path. And so I kind of just, I guess, trying to find myself, uh, trying to, you know, deal with those challenges. So I ended up finishing college, spent a couple years and really kind of soul searching because I really didn't have a plan B, you know, the military was it, that's what I wanted to do. And I could never really get over you know, being out. Hmm. And so I thought, well, you know, going back in is not an option. So what can I do? So finished school, went into the workforce, really not satisfied, kind of in the business banking world, wasn't really satisfied with it, wanted a little bit more adventure. So I went to law school. Hmm. And I really, that was a good move for me. I enjoyed law school. I'm not necessarily an academically oriented person. So, you know, it was a challenge for me just to kind of keep up with everybody else. Definitely was not the smartest person in the room, if you know what I mean. And but anyway, I did graduate and I went into the law enforcement as a deputy prosecutor. Hmm. And I did that for six years and I loved it. Just absolutely loved it. But still that that call to want to be in the military wanted to continue to serve. But at that time, it wasn't an option. And so I was like, well, what, what do I have that I can do? Still felt like I had a little gas in the tank and I wanted to 
to, uh, to, do, to do some more running and gunning, I guess. So I, in 2013, I started a security training company called Baratus Defense. And, you know, during that time, I, I've, I've gotten a lot of opportunities to travel, work with a lot of different agencies. I did a contract with the DOD and have, and have had several of their people from different units and things come to our classes and training. Um, I did some work with the Department of Justice, did some work and consulting work with Fortune 500 companies. I've taught at probably over 60 police departments across the country. And then about four years ago, I managed to rehab some injuries and some some things that I had. And I went ahead and went back into the Army and the Guard component. And I've done that for four years. I went to and had a great opportunity to go to some schools that were on my bucket list, not all the ones that I wanted to go, but I did. I just finished Air Assault. I think I'm, I did an internet search. I, I'm pretty sure I'm one of the oldest people that has ever graduated Air Assault. That, right? That's a nice little hat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I felt like it the whole time. I definitely felt the age, but it was it was a great experience down there. At Fort, I did it down at Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. Did some other courses, and I have some more in the pipeline that I'm excited to do. Right now, I'm on temporary active duty, what they call ADOS orders. So I'm on active duty as an infantry instructor. Mm-hmm. So we have, so you if you fa- want... You kind of found your road less traveled journey back. What did you... Yeah, yeah. What, what did you learn about yourself in the process of having that thing taken away from you, right? Like you're like, man, I know this army thing is a thing for me. You go through some ups and downs, take some steps back. It's sort of taken off the table. What did you learn about Mark? Mark, what did you learn about yourself right during those moments? Man, well, you know, I think, I think it was a, a, a lesson that was 20 years or more in progress. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it was anything, one thing that came to me all at once, but I mean, there is, I think in life, you, you, you have to learn a sense of resiliency, mm-hmm. you know, that things are not going to go your way, that you have a script and a way that you want things to be, but there's really a way that things are, and they don't always match up. It's not like a movie, you know, where everything turns out right at the end or, or some, you know, some force is going to sweep in and, and kind of set everything right. You can do all the right things and it's still not turn out the way that you want. And you're the really the only option you have to do is to is to pick up and drive forward in some direction and maybe you don't even know which direction you should go but you have to pick a direction and you have to move you have to move because and the sooner you can do that then the sooner you can begin to avail yourself of opportunities that do happen you know if i wouldn't have you know i spent so much time just kind of wallowing you know, when I first got out of the military, just kind of wallowing in self-pity and feeling mm-hmm. sorry for myself and and kind of being bitter that that, you know, when I could have already been putting in for law school and starting that sooner, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or taking taking advantage of oppor- other opportunities that were probably staring me right in the face. But I was so just kind of inward focused that I couldn't even see them. And so I, I guess that that was a big lesson for me is that, you know, when you are going to have setbacks. There are going to be defeats, but you've got to get your eyes off yourself and be looking out and, and just try to 
I mean, I hate to use a cliche, you know, in the military, but it's so true. I mean, you do have to suck it up and drive on, mm-hmm. you know, I think anybody that's been in the military is familiar with that term. And, you know, sometimes it's not easy to do that, but you have to do that or else what is the alternative? The alternative is that you just sit in, in your bitterness and, and failure and you don't move on from that. Yeah. That's probably a big thing. And then the other, the thing is, you know, you're you're always much more capable than what you think. You know, initially, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe. You have to. If you see that someone else can do it, you know, I think there's a lot that of us that say, "Oh, well, you know, that person's able to do it because they had all these benefits, or they had all these these handouts, or these, you know, someone they had it better than me. Therefore, that's." You can ex- you can always explain someone else's success, but I think the better road is to say, hey, man, if they did it, you know, maybe they had more advantages than I do. But but if they did it, I can do it. I may have to work harder. It may take longer, but I could definitely do it. And why not? Yeah, I mean, th- there's so much in there, right, um, as it relates to even just the idea of j- just some movement. Right? Yeah, you, you've got to move. Right. Paralysis yeah. by analysis where you just you're overthinking, you overthink everything. What about this? What about that? What about that? I mean, same thing in any goal. Like, I think you just you, you got to find some way. Maybe you're having the worst day ever. So there's something you can do just to move a little bit. Yeah. Something you can yeah, do to move the needle on the next thing you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think just from studying war fighting doctrine and mm-hmm. tactics, I think just like how people use sports analogy for life. I think there's a lot of valuable lessons for life just in war fighting doctrine and tactics. And one of them that I drive home to students, whether it's in a military context or with our law enforcement guys that we're training with, it's if you're mobile, stay mobile. And if you're not mobile, you get, get mobile, get that option to be mobile. Because if you're not, if you're static and you stay where you are, then you're going to be found, you're going to be fixed, and you're going to be eliminated. And so the ability, you know, to always have that first and foremost of always having those options of being mobile, I think that's so true in life. If you're if you're in a rut and you and you just wallow in it, and and you know that there's a certain amount of comfort. I don't know; it's paradoxical in a sense, but it seems like it's easy for as part of the human condition for us to find comfort in our own suffering, our own uh, feeling sorry for ourselves and making excuses for why we can't move forward. Does that make sense at all? I mean, no, it it totally does because you're able to just sort of, I don't know, inward sink and wrap yourself up in a blanket of self-pity. Now there's one thing to rejoice in sufferings uh, because the suffering produces character which produces endurance and hope and all those right so like i believe that right i believe in romans where it talks about suffering yeah Yeah. and being able to take hardship which is forged into hope there's a difference between a suffering of of sort of self-inflicted and just kind of again like to your point wallowing in it and the suffering of movement is good suffering yeah you can of immobility is the kind that wants to keep you stuck where you're at yeah it's really how you frame how you frame the problem, you know, just to kind of riff off what you just said. I mean, Mm -hmm. if I engage with my own suffering as a means to strengthen me, to learn lessons and to drive me forward, then suffering is, you know, we might want to avoid it, but it's really necessary. Mm, Absolutely. 
But if we want to grow accustomed to it and comfortable, because we can become comfortable there, right? And then we make excuses why we Mm. we can't move forward. And really what that is, is it's just a form of cowardice masquerading as suffering. Yep. I'm going to check myself because... Somebody's going to be listening back. You got, you flipped it. Suffering, endurance, character, hope. I got it, guys. Yeah. Don't okay. Worry. I got you. Yeah, I man. You. I was going to bring that up. And I know get you were. But... <laughs> hey, let's talk a little bit about, man, tactical training, right? And living yeah. this life of taking what you learn in the military and then, you know, being able to feed that into other people, whether that's through DOD, DOJ. I'm really interested in, in the work you did at, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, police office unit, whatever that yeah. ends up looking like. So tell yeah. me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I've been at it for a while and it, it's just kind of weird to be in this world. I mean, if I'm just going to be transparent because, you know, you you look up to you've got heroes in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. I've got dudes that I look up to that have, you know, I wish I could even have accomplished half of what they do. And like for me, those guys are the standard and it's it's really hard to measure up to them. And And sometimes when you're out there, you feel like, well, man, I mean, am I the right person to be mm-hmm. doing this? But it yeah, I think they call it imposter syndrome. I think everybody at some point deals with that. You want and to give so, a person who are those guys? Oh man, well, you know, dudes like that don't know who I am, but they've mentored right. me in a sense through their books and videos and things like that. Dudes like Kyle Lamb, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Howe, mm. you know, guys like that. That um, I, it seems like a lot of dudes for that that came out of CAG or Delta operators. Sure. I mean. These guys are just literally the, not even the one percent. They're like the point, you know, the half percent of of people that ever make it. But I mean, they're just incredible about you know the amount of knowledge that they do. And the dudes that I have worked at that weren't necessarily in those units, but dudes that were, you know, had background in Ranger Battalion or something else that just they just know so much. And I found that the guys that I have been able to meet and work through have been so generous with their with their time and with their knowledge to, to help shore up, you know, areas that I was weak in and my mm-hmm. knowledge gaps and skill gaps and stuff like that. So, you know, just kind of to close out that point is that, you know, I certainly don't know everything and I haven't experienced anything, but I've experienced a little, and I'm just trying to push that on to someone else who hasn't, you know, who may be missing that as well and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and share that. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I'm loving this conversation, man. It's just a real opportunity to kind of peel it back and just yeah. talk about things you've been through, talk about things that other people are like, man, I've had setbacks in life, or I'm trying to make my way through this field and, 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 and seeing folks out there in the space, right. And trying to not use it as a comparison, but use it as a little bit of a motivator. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, if somebody's looking to get into this or, you know, if they have some background or experience, I get this a lot, just like from the cops that, that I'll train with, or they'll be like, well, how'd you do this? Or, you know, that they're wanting to do this. And I'm like, well, nobody, nobody came to my doorstep and gave me permission to do this. You know, no one handed me a certificate and said, Hey, you're ready to go out and do this. I decided that I wanted to do this and I pursued it. And it certainly hasn't been easy, but it's been incredible. It's been rewarding. And I've, I've grown into a person that you know, the person I always wanted to be, I'm becoming through this process. Mark, there is, I mean, you don't need me to tell you, there's a lot of attention on cops, police officers Mm -hmm. across our country these days. My grandfather was a police officer. He called himself a cop. We call him a cop, right? And we say that with pride in our house, right? Because we know what that means. 
There's a lot of attention on it, man. So tell me, like, what are you seeing as you're as you're traveling, as, as you've been a part of this work? What are you seeing happen at these units? Because I feel like there's a lot of good, a lot of bad, and probably a lot of stuff in the middle. What are you seeing out there? Well, you know, like for me, I, I'm the same kind of background with you. My grandpa was a sheriff. A lot of my cousins were in the sheriff's department <clears throat> or police officers. And so I, I kind of grew up around that. So I always had a positive view of law enforcement. And then, of course, you know, being a prosecutor and working with those guys, I mean, again, it just re reinforced, you know, the positive mm -hmm. outlook I had on those. And so, you know, just I knew just from the news feeds and things that you'd see in the news. I mean, obviously that's not everybody's paradigm. That's not everybody's frame of reference, but it just seems so alien to me that, um, to think otherwise. And I, I did bring a buddy of mine who's in the military who, uh, I took him up to a place to do a counter ambush course. And, you know, he, I, I just assumed that he thought the same way I did, you know, about police officers and, um, and he, he didn't. And, mm -hmm. You know, of course, because he's watching the news and he's seeing this and this is when all the riots were going on and, and stuff like this. And and one thing he he came away with, he was so um, dumbfounded by how decent these guys were, how honorable they were, how just selfless in a sense that these guys were. I mean, yes, it's their job. Yes, they're getting paid, but they're not getting paid enough. They could be doing much mm -hmm. uh, a lot safer things for more money. And um, he just walked away thinking like, what a thankless job these guys have. And they're willing to continue to do it. And um, I was like, yeah, man, I mean, these are some of the most decent people. Not all. I know it's not 100 percent. You know, there's just like with everybody. Cops are human beings, too. So you're going to have some good ones and you're going to have some bad ones. But I mean, I've traveled this country training with these guys. And I'll just tell you, man, I'll. Um, I'll take the Pepsi challenge with any anybody else. I mean, these are some of the best people we have are out on the streets that are sacrificing themselves because they really want to keep their community safe. They really do. And they're amazing people. And it's just a high honor to be able to work with them. What do you think is missing from their training regiment, if anything? Well, you know, I think... If you were to even to talk to, you know, like we were saying offline, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, if you would have them in the room with us, I think plenty of them would say they don't get enough training. Mm -hmm. You know, when when they have budget cuts, the first thing that goes is training. And then when they do get training, it's not necessarily what they need, but it's driven by by the zeitgeist or the media pressures, you know, whatever's shining a spotlight. So, you know, if cops are getting shot up, and tensions are tied in the community. Well, you know, we don't need to send these guys to tactical training. We need to send them to, you know, some type of politically correct type of seminar or something that, and, you know, really what happens is, and I've seen some of these organizations, I've seen some of these trainings. It's mm -hmm. a lot of times, some of this is driven by some charlatans who can make some money and they, yep. they get politically connected. And so they're yep. able to discharge you know, insane amount of money for training that really doesn't keep the community safer, doesn't keep these police officers safer, but it enriches some people, you know, yeah, does that. Good use of the word charlatan. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like, I like calling it what it is when it happens. All right. Look, I know for you, before we go, man, uh, one of the focuses that you've got sort of a passion of your life is, is sort of a warrior mindset. And, and you know, it's one thing for an ex-military guy to lean into that, but let's say for the average 
Joe, average Joe or Jane, you know, walking down the street? What's what's a daily warrior mindset look like? And, and I, my gut would tell me it's kind of what we talked about before. It's that daily movement. It's finding finding opportunities to keep moving. What's that mean for you? Yeah, I mean, if I if I had to de- define warrior mindset just right off the cuff, I mean, I would, you know, maybe I could come up with a more polished version if I had, uh, you know, time to think about it. But just kind of going off here, I would say it's just that ability or the capacity, right, to to just kind of meet adversity head on and just have a willingness to strive to overcome it. You know, regardless of whether you do overcome or not, but it's that that drive to do it, to stay in the fight, to struggle against adversity, um, because that's how you are. That's how you're wired. And I don't think that most people, at least from my own experience, I'll just say about myself, it's not something that happens naturally. It's something that you have to build intentionally. Hmm. Great point, man. A willingness, right? A willingness. Yeah. To over to to embrace it. You, you might not overcome everything. I mean, some things might be insurmountable. Yeah. I just yeah. grabbed this coaster that sits not but oh nice 10 feet from my from my chair. He's the chief of police in Milford, New Jersey. I just yeah, I, I, I almost I forgot that was there when we started talking. I just stuck my hand over and was like, Oh <laughs> thank you for that. Very cool. Yeah. Pretty cool, yeah. man. I love the conversation. Hey, tell folks where they can find you, man. Hey, yeah, if you'd like to connect with us, just the best place. I mean, we're on all the social media channels, but the best place is our website at www.baritusdefense.com. That's B-A-R-R-I-T-U-S, defense.com. And then our podcast is Pearl Snap Tactical Podcast. Love it. I love that name. (laughs) Uh, Favorite handgun? Oh, man, you know, I was a Glock guy for a long time, but I just got the SIG M18. I'm telling you, uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. You like on that. it? I really like it. Yeah, yeah. Sig's nice. I've got a Smith and Wesson M&P nice. compacts, which it awesome. shoots like butter. It's great. Very nice. Uh, yeah. For a, for someone new, right? Those handguns, tactical can be a little intimidating mm-hmm. for new folks. If someone's new, they want to get into it. What's some advice? You know, take it slow. Uh, don't get in a rush. Find someone. Do your research on an instructor that that has some kind of experience and wherewithal, but eventually, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, can they help you achieve the goals that you have? And if they can do that, then you got a good instructor, you know, um, regardless of their background, you know, if they have the capacity to safely and professionally instruct you and increase your proficiency and skill, meet your goals and objectives. I mean, that's a good instructor. Yeah. And don't let that, paralysis stand in the way you know, yeah right first timer yeah treat it with the respect it deserves um but also yeah. be willing to make a little movement go out yeah. there and maybe get outside your comfort zone a little bit yeah exactly well, exactly sorry. tell us that website one more time mark before we go it's uh www.baritusdefense.com awesome man i love this conversation man. it was fun yeah man it was fun absolutely let's do it again sometime it. yeah absolutely thank you You got it. He's Mark Bower. I'm Brian Jodis. And that's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast.